Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan, along with Amanda Stein. And this is the official Devil's Podcast as we continue to present great content to our wonderful Devil's fans. They've been eating it up, drinking it up, enjoying it, Amanda. And we've got another good one today, don't we? We absolutely do. It's fun to be able to catch up with some guys that you and I normally spend a lot of time with, but have been away from for a while. So we have a, a good guest today from the other coast. I'm on the east coast of Canada. He's on the west coast. He is. He comes to us today from Kelowna, British Columbia, and he is the Devils defenseman, Damon Severson. Damon, thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I cannot believe kind of dovetailing to what uh, Amanda said about how we haven't been able to see our Devils players or any of our <laughs> any of our content team members or broadcast partners or those who are in hockey ops as well. We, we have to do a Zoom meeting for that. But my point is, can you believe it's been over two months? Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's been a while now. It's, it's crazy to think. I mean, guys are trying to stay in contact and uh, everyone's kind of went their separate ways, I guess, now. But um, try to stay in as good a contact as you can with, with the teammates and, and uh, co-workers that you can. But um, it's been just a weird situation. So hopefully we can try to get back to normal as soon as, as, soon as possible. I think one of the biggest shocks for me when I think about it being two months is that it all happened so suddenly. And I don't know that I really like ingested the idea that this is like for the long term at, at, at this rate. I mean, is that kind of how you feel too? Yeah, immediately when everything kind of happened, obviously the, the biggest shock was when, you know, the first uh, first announcement with the NBA, they said a, a player too had, uh, you know, got the COVID and, and uh, you know, moving forward, it was kind of like, well, the writing was on the wall for, for the NBA and then the NHL with us using all the same facilities they do. So uh, we showed up to the rink that, that next morning. I think we were playing Carolina that night and, uh, and it was kind of like guys were just talking, talking, and we had a normal meeting in the morning and then it pretty much got told within the 15, 20 minutes, we're not allowed to skate. And then we weren't allowed to be at the rink and it was just kind of a, a little bit of a tumble effect, but um now it's just kind of, yeah, it didn't, it doesn't really hit you until you kind of, it's been some time now you get some time to look back and think about it, but it's, uh, it's been yeah over, I guess, two months now. And it's, it's crazy to think. So there's no hockey for us to talk about. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Damon Severson and get to know you a little bit better. What have you been doing uh, since we last saw you and uh, what's, different about you or are you like everyone else do you have you grown a beard you got a Fu Manchu a goatee what do you got going no yeah that's funny you ask um I I kept uh that was kind of like a thing I don't know if it was just an unwritten thing or, or if guys just were doing it on their own and everyone ended up doing it but uh I guess we're calling it the quarantine beard for a while there and and I noticed that uh, myself, along with many of my teammates and many others around the league, we're, we're just kind of letting their hair, their, whether it's their hair or their facial hair grow. Um, so I ended up growing out my facial hair. It got pretty long to the point where I was like, okay, this is kind of in the way now. And I'm not a big uh, facial hair guy. I usually keep it pretty clean. But um, I grew it once, shaved it off, and now this is actually the round two. So this is probably going on a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks now. So it's, it's due for another shave. And then uh, as for, like, the hair on my – Top of my head, I was fortunate. I got a, a home haircut just on the on the back and around the sides uh, for my girlfriend. So um, was lucky to have that because it was getting a little bit out of control too. So I know lots of guys are are overdue <laughs> for for some trims. Um, 
I was going to ask uh, whether or not your beard, like how would you would describe it? Did it get close to like Kyle Palmieri, really thick kind of thing? Or, But you know what? You talked about getting a haircut. Like how nervous were you getting one from an amateur? Yeah, well, originally I put it off for about three days and then it was another three days and then it turned into a week. So, um, and I finally just kind of gave in. I was like, you know what, what's the worst that could happen? I wear a hat most days and I'm not seeing a, a bunch of people out in public like I normally do. So I just uh, went with it and, and she did a really good job. Got to give her credit. So I'm, I'm probably going to end up uh, the longer this thing goes, getting another one. Look, I, I give, I give you credit because I am here in Montreal and I had my nieces cut my hair. So like that was very brave and <laughs> it's a little choppy. Yours I'm sure is perfectly fine, but what's it been like out there in Kelowna? Because I know it's a place where you go in your off season, but also there's a lot of NHL guys who do spend a lot of time out there. Is, is there anyone else out there with you right now? Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that have kind of made their way back over time. I know uh, myself and some of the younger guys without uh, you know young kids or anything like that. Um, they've made their way back here and we've been kind of posted up for a while. Um, and then the guys that have got their families and they got to worry about um, making sure they're getting their kids, uh, whether they're in school or not and getting them home and, and that sort of thing, guys have started to trickle back as well. So um, there's quite a few out here uh, again, like, you know, just, just texting and, and uh, you know, getting on the odd, uh, I guess that that new thing is the house party. We do the house party app every once in a while. So, uh, trying to keep in contact with guys like that but uh, guys are starting to trickle back and it's kind of we're unsure whether we we go into summer mode uh, and the nicer the weather gets the harder it gets to try to stay out of summer mode I guess but um, it's just kind of a toss-up right now. But admit it you are a little bit in summer mode based on uh, being out on the lake because I've seen a couple of videos of you you're out there on the boat a little bit right? Yeah we actually ended up going out this past weekend getting out on the boat. Um, they they kind of I got a call from the dealership that I got the the boat from and they had it in storage and they asked me if I wanted to put it in the water and I just said well I mean I'm not really doing much else so we got it in the water and and it was a beautiful day uh, over the past weekend so I ended up going out there and just making sure it was running good getting it prepared for the nicer summer months and and I just kind of figured I might as well take the plunge in the water and it was it was pretty cold so um, that was something that I uh, I still would do it again, but I didn't expect it to be as cold as it was. So, but yeah, we, we did spend a day out on the lake already and just kind of catch some sun. So um, not full summer mode, but I guess a little bit. Was it a Mackenzie Blackwood like, <laughs> you know, heart stopping chill? It was, uh, I just went for the full dive. I, I didn't want to just dip my toe in the water. I went for the full dive and the lake out here doesn't freeze like kind of the lakes up in Northern Ontario there where he's at in, in Thunder Bay. So um, it still gets really cold. Obviously it's all the mountain runoff, but uh, it's uh, yeah, I went for the full dive and, and what he did I think was crazy. Cause that's like, that's frozen water. That's as cold as it gets. But um, I, I don't think I was as cold as that. And he just, he just shakes that stuff off. Like it's nothing that guy, he's just a different breed. I tell you. <laughs> Well, he shared with us, though, he takes an ice bath before every game. So not surprising that he could jump into a, a lake that's still mostly covered by ice. Do you have any kind of pregame thing like that to get you fired up? Um, nothing like that where, where that's kind of like a shock to the body. I've seen him do that a bunch. Um, he's just uh, – he, he's very – very mentally strong in that aspect where he puts his mind to something he's uh he's very good at it so give him credit for that but 
I'm pretty relaxed. I mean, I, I just started um, kind of doing things. If I, if I play well and I'm kind of doing something before a game, I'll stick to it. But uh, I guess the thing that I went with this year, uh, I got on the, the smoothie train. I, I got a magic bullet in my apartment and, and uh, made some smoothies before games and started bringing them into the rink and um, got, there's a few photos taken out of, uh, when I had the smoothie in my hand. So that was called the smoothie man for a while, but um, yeah, that was, I guess that was my uh, pregame thing this year was just make sure I showed up with a smoothie and that was it. It's funny you say that because while maybe you're not superstitious or have those types of routine, I remember talking to you earlier or later in the season when Mackenzie was really on quite a roll and you told me some sort of story about how either you or your girlfriend cooked dinner for Mackenzie and he went on a roll and then you felt like obligated to continue cooking him dinner. Can you sort of expand on what that was? Yeah, I figured, uh, so we asked, I asked him to come over the one night for, for dinner and so he came over and I, I made sure that we had a ton of food. And uh, so we had a bunch of food there. We know how much he can eat. So the, his plate was like lick clean pretty much. And, <laughs> and that when he left, uh, I told him, I said, okay, if you start going on, on a hot streak and if you start playing well, I'm the one who made you dinner. And if you don't, my girlfriend's the one who made dinner. And so that was the kind of the deal we made. And, and uh, he ended up getting hot and I wasn't the one who made dinner regardless. It was, it was all grace. So um but yeah, he started getting hot and he started going on a little bit of a hot streak. And so I said, I guess you got to start coming over for dinner more often. But um, I was a little worried because the grocery bill was going to go up quite a bit if he, he kept coming over. Is there anyone else who comes close to eating the amount of food that he does? Because it's really becoming the story of legend, his appetite. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I know, especially on the father's trip, there was a lot of dads around that they just kept seeing him go back for more food and more food and more food. And they're like, we can't even put an ounce of food in ourselves more than we've had already. And this guy's just putting back plate after plate. So he's uh, like I said, he's a, he's a different breed. He's, he's one of those guys that can just put it away and, and he stays skinny and stays in such good shape. So um, imagine having that as your, uh, I guess, as your lifestyle is just being able to put away the food and not have to worry about anything. Give us a teammate who has a pretty big appetite. And then on the other side, a guy who's able to stay in shape and stay strong, but eats like a bird. Oh, that's a good one. Eats like a bird and stays in shape. I'm trying to I think. mean, they, you eat a lot, we understand, as an athlete. But who <laughs> eats the least, I guess, that's kind of surprising? Who eats the least? Um, you know what? I'm just trying to think of guys when we're at pregame meal who leave early. Uh, I think I think Will Butcher it doesn't eat a ton before. I think uh, he's he's just like simple one one plate of food and then that's good enough and goes for the nap and then that's it. But uh, I'm trying to think who else because uh, I'm I'm guilty of trying to have as much food as I can at lunch and then just trying not to eat anything for the rest of the day until the game. Um, but I know Butchie likes to uh, likes to keep it light usually. I think Woody likes to keep it pretty light too, but uh, everybody's different, right? That's another thing is the superstitions is guys are like, okay, well, I got to eat more today because I played well last game and stuff like that. So it's kind of hit and miss. Who's a big eater? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> a big eater. Uh, well, Black was number one by far. Um, and a little bigger, I think Palms with that Italian in him, he, he eats quite a bit, um, but he has no problem, you know, keeping the weight off. He, he's a hard worker and, and, uh, but he can definitely put away the, the Italian food. And, and I know him and his wife, when they get cooking, I think the Carricks are over there a few times and, uh, and they, they look like they had a couple of good feasts going on. So 
I wouldn't mind getting involved in that if I can. Who's, who's invite for dinner would you be a little reluctant to take on um, if they were cooking themselves? Well, actually, that's funny you ask because it would probably be Blackwood because that's, that's one of the reasons <laughs> we, we invited him over for dinners because we weren't sure if he would, he would be cooking himself. And I don't think he, he'd been in his kitchen or turned his stove on once, maybe for craft dinner. But uh, uh, he's the one guy who I was a little nervous about. He's by himself for the majority of the time down in New Jersey. So uh, I just figured it would be uh, – it's the least we could do is to invite him over because, again, he's, when a guy's by himself, I've been there, I've done that. So – um, you don't like to cook for yourself and it's tough to cook for one person a lot of the time. So I would say him, uh, I'd be a little nervous. That's, you know what, maybe you just come over to my place tonight and keep it simple. So. I think Jack Hughes told us, uh, on a, a pause cast that he only basically turned the stove, like essentially once. And then that once he found his new place and, uh, you know, uh, once he was on his own, he just said that was it once. I think he said made a pasta dish. And after that, it was downstairs meeting the fellas for dinner all the time. So he might be another guy that doesn't know uh, how to turn on the oven. I think that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah, I know for him, he, he moved into a building where there was numerous guys. I think there was four or five guys who also lived in the same building as him. And it was just easy because a lot of them um, were the, the younger guys and, and were living by themselves. So it was just easy for them to say, hey, let's go to a place tonight or come over to my place and we'll order or something like that. So uh, that was, that was an easy thing for him to do. What's your specialty dish, Damon? If, if you were to invite Matt and I over for dinner one day, what's your specialty dish? Um, good question. Uh, I, I'm good on the barbecue. I don't really have a specialty dish where I make it from scratch, but uh, you know, pick up some, pick up some chicken breasts and get some marinade on them and um, get them on the barbecue. So I'm good on that. And uh kind of match that we've, we've been getting this uh skillet gnocchi so it comes like in a little package and you just heat it up in the frying pan and has a little little bit of cheese in there and so you can put some spices in there as well so it's real simple but uh that's the most effective thing i'm probably good at right now keep it simple baby that that works so i want to talk about Kelowna uh, because that's where you are talking to us from it's where you make uh, your off-season home, basically. I know you stop in Melville, which is where you were born in Saskatchewan, and then make your way to Kelowna for your training. Uh, but it obviously had a critical part in your development as a player because that's where you played junior hockey. So what were you like when you left Saskatchewan, and what did you learn at Kelowna that got you where you're at now? Definitely you learned to grow up a lot quicker um i was uh, fortunate I, I grew up in saskatchewan and uh my mom and dad and uh grandparents were always around so i was always fortunate to never have to worry about a meal not being there or never not have to worry about getting getting from point a to point b and whether it was uh for hockey or baseball or any other sport that i was playing so when i came out to Kelowna, i was i was two provinces away from my family and friends and and uh, I was just, you know, I got obviously a little homesick when I first got here, but it forces you to grow up. I was lucky. I had a really good billet family uh, who I still keep in contact with, who actually lives not far, maybe a couple minutes down the road from me now um, in the same home that uh, I billeted with them in. So um, just the biggest thing was it helps you grow up moving away from home. Uh, it helps you understand that, you know, you got to fend for yourself a little bit more and not relying on other people for a lot of things that I had relied on um, them for a while before. So I was fortunate. I came to Kelowna, a great hockey program. It's a great city. 
And uh, again, I, I call it my off season home now and hopefully my forever home because it's uh, it's such a great place to, to live. And, and uh, I saw how uh, my billet family raised, uh, it was my billet sister. So their daughter and she was uh, um, pretty lucky. So uh, yeah, it was great. And no, uh, nothing bad to say about this city or the people here. What is that moment like? And maybe you can take me through because I really don't know how it works when you're a young player, you're moving to a new city, a new town, you get to Kelowna. And is that when you meet your new billet family? Like, what is that like? How does that get set up through your team? Do you meet them beforehand? I actually had never met them before. Um, that was actually a cool story. I mean, I came out to Kelowna uh, as a 16 year old for my first main camp. I had come the previous year for rookie camp, but um, couldn't uh, couldn't stay for main camp because I was out here with my dad and I wasn't eligible to make the team as a full-time 15 year old. So uh, my dad had to get back to teaching school uh, him being a school teacher. So uh, we had to head back to Saskatchewan. So I came out as a 16 year old and they had told me there's a good chance uh, if you, if you have a good camp and you play well, you'll be here for, you know, for good. So um, came out and I remember going on the first day to the rink meeting everybody and, and doing the skate and everything. And the head coach who uh, was Ryan Huska, who is now the assistant coach with, with Calgary, the Calgary flames. Um, he, and my mom came out with, with me that time. So he, and he drove his car and me and my mom were in my car. We drove up the, uh, the one road and it seemed like we were driving forever because where I'm from, you, you get five minutes and you get anywhere. So um, it was like a 20 minute drive from the rink. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this seems like it's a far place. Like it was, uh, it was just something new for me. I followed him out to my billet house. And uh, I just remember walking up or getting out of the car, walking up with my mom and the head coach of the team, knocking on the door. And, and uh, my billet mom's name is Barb. She answered and he said, hi, Barb, this is Damon. He'll be living with you. <laughs> and that was kind of the rest of history. They said, we walked in and my mom met them and everything and everything looked good, beautiful home and, and uh, very welcoming family. So they showed me the, the bedroom where I'd be sleeping in. And, and uh, within a couple hours we were having dinner and, and the rest, I guess, is history. But it was, it was just really cool how I'd never met somebody before. And the next thing you know, I lived four years of my life with them. It's crazy. It's crazy. I've never really known how that works. Like just showing up and literally being dropped on someone's doorstep. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, but uh, yeah, it was, it was just, I guess, part of the whole process. And, and it was very, very cool looking back at it, how that happened. In the moment, I just was kind of going along with it. I didn't know any better, but uh, yeah, you literally just pull up to someone's house and, and here you go. So um, I know lots of guys have maybe relatives or, or people that they know of that they live with as billets, but I had no one I knew in Kelowna that I could live with and uh, the billets were set up. They said, okay, this is the kid you're going to get. He's from Saskatchewan. He's a young guy and, and we'll, uh, we'll drop him off at your place later tonight. So that was that. Like, like an Amazon prime delivery. Like yeah. you, you, <laughs> here, here you go, knock the ring and then uh, goodbye. Now it had to be difficult on you, right? I mean, you're a young kid, but it's the process, right? And everyone in Canada would, love to have a step like that. You know, not everyone gets a chance even to play junior, right? I mean, you keep rising up the ladder and up the ranks. So you're like, hey, this is what I have to do. And Kelowna has got a great program. This is good for me. But you are from a small town. You are from a very tight family. Uh, I've had pleasure of, of meeting members of your family and, uh, you know, uh, mostly your dad. But at any rate, and you talk warmly of those times, how was it for them? How was it for your mom when she said, I'm dropping my baby off? This is his dream, but 
I wonder who had it more difficult, you or the family? Yeah, I think probably her. Uh, looking back at it, I mean, it was it was easy for me because I knew she was still going to be there throughout the training camp and um, kind of just, I was like, okay, well, she's going to be staying in the hotel and I'll be at the billets and just kind of getting used to everything during training camp and that sort of thing. But uh, I think it must have been hard on her, especially, you know, when she was still there, I'm sure it didn't hit her yet. But when she got on that flight to head back home um, after training camp ended and they said I was staying, it was, I'm sure it hit her hard, but um, oh, she was funny. crying. Trust me. There were tears on the flight back. I'm sure there, there might've been, but it's funny, you know, at the time and, and throughout junior, you don't hear about that stuff because they don't want to tell you because they want to keep it kind of, they don't want to put that on you sort of thing. And they don't want to make you feel like you're, you're leaving home too early or they want you to come back. So obviously now that my junior career has been over for a while, it's, they've, they've told me some things that's like, Oh, I wish you wouldn't have left or it was hard on us. I'm like, but they're like, well, we wouldn't take that away for anything. It was, it was a great experience. And we love coming to visit you in Kelowna. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. Again, I, I was lucky. I was fortunate, great billets. And I just came in at the right time and, and everything kind of was a smooth transition. Who were some of your teammates? Um, some of my teammates, um, I guess names that are in the NHL now, uh, there's one guy who plays in Nashville. Sissons is his name. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Detroit they have Bowie um, and then uh, I missed Dreisaitl by a year that was my rookie year with the Devils he got traded to Kelowna and they went on their Memorial Cup run missed him uh, Josh Morrissey I missed by a year but uh, um, I missed a few guys but then there's been guys who have you know played high high level university hockey have played in the AHL stuff like that but uh, I missed guys like Tyler Myers and Luke Shen and and these guys by a year or two just because they they have that um a little bit of an earlier birthday, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's names to go on for days with the, with the organization. And I just, uh, I guess, tried to continue the tradition of the defensemen uh, getting drafted of the Rockets. When you think about the CHL and the WHL, you know, that's a, a really popular name, the Rockets, the Kelowna Rockets. What does that particular junior team mean to that community? Yeah, it was... Uh, it, it, like it's you can tell it they can they care about their hockey here and, and numerous uh there's numerous teams whether it's junior a whl junior b um but the rockets they they're the i guess the mecca of the the sports kind of as a sports town just the high being the highest level and um beautiful facility um great area where we play it's right kind of down by the water and in, in the downtown area and uh so the people here really, I think, respect the Rockets as an organization, and, and they support them as best they can. And um, in saying that, they were they were supposed to host the Memorial Cup this year. Unfortunately, it got canceled. But uh, I know that the town there was some buzz around when I got back. Um, obviously, they were a little bit upset when when things happened because it wasn't officially canceled yet. But uh, people were looking forward to it, and they wanted to, you know, see the Memorial Cup be in Kelowna, and hopefully, the Rockets would win it. Well, that is the ultimate goal for every junior team, right? And and when you get a chance to host it, you know you're going to be there. And whether or not you can win it is another story, but you know you kind of get a pass. But they are a great – it's a great program. There's no no doubt about that. So give me a give me a story that when you and your Kelowna mates get together, you kind of chuckle about. Because, you know, you're kids and you're playing, the, you're playing for fun. Yes, you're trying to make it to the next level, but you're just having a good time. You're traveling in buses. Is there – a story or two that you can share with us that kind of that, that, that you and your, your teammates kind of laugh about. 
have some fun with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's obviously plenty. Once you get talking about stories that me and my former teammates get going on, then it just seems like it never ends. There's always stories that go on. But uh, I guess uh, one of the stories, I mean, like you said, you spend a lot of time on, a, on the bus. So uh, guys kind of go into getting into certain roles on the bus. They what they what they bring to the table, I guess per se. So um, I I was the snack man in my last couple of years. It was like okay, I was always counted on to bring the snacks. It was like you know crispy minis or or little bags of bags of chips or five cent candies at the time. And there was a bunch of stuff. I'd always be stopping at Seven Eleven on my way to the rink for a road trip and picking up a bunch of snacks for pass around for the boys. So um, but that was my role and. Uh, we had some guys roles who their roles were to bring the pillow or, or his role was to bring the, um, you know, the blankets for other guys just so we could sleep on the ground and everyone had to be comfortable because we spent a lot of time on the road and stuff, but everybody kind of comes in that role. And, and uh, in junior, it was, uh, I was the snack man. And um, once guys started to catch on at the closer to the front of the bus that I had the snacks at the back, there was a lot more action in my, around my seat. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's like no one, no room left. You know, you talked about those long bus rides, which you hear about in junior hockey all the time. But how, like, what is the closeness to other teams around Kelowna? Like, what would be the shortest versus the longest bus trip you would take? In our division, uh, Kamloops would be the closest. They're two hours away by bus. Um, So that was our easiest one, a little bit of arrival. Vancouver is about four hours. um, And then also in our division, Victoria, you got to go down to, to Vancouver, all the way through Vancouver, get on a ferry to go all the way to Victoria. So that one's a little bit longer than Vancouver, but uh, Kamloops and Vancouver are the closest too. And then uh, you got Prince George, who is also in British Columbia, who's in our division. And they're like an eight or eight or nine hour bus ride north. And, um, and then you got like the teams who are in our conference, who are in the U.S. division. Portland's like a 10 hour drive, um, Tri-Cities. Um, anywhere from six to eight hours and there's, so you really there's, had to invest in snacks yeah there was there was no charge to that it, it was it was the snacks from 7-eleven in Kelowna to go down and then I'd have to hit a gas station on the when we got on the, <laughs> on the way sure, back yeah make sure that we had some for the way back and, and especially a little extra if we won the game so uh this and by the way the candy in Canada is better than the candy in the U.S. This, I don't know what the chocolate different- too uh, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, okay, you know, sorry. Yeah, the chocolate candies. Not like, it, is there something different about how it how they're made? I I'm I'm not sure. Am I wrong or? No, you're right. It's a different factory. Oh, is that what? It, so for a lot of the a lot of the candy bars in the states are made by Hershey, and in Canada, it's made by Nestle. There you go. Well, yeah, well, there you go. So we got this. We got this. I know sna- things. We got the <laughs> snack king and the and the candy queen on part of our <laughs> on part of our podcast, but it is. It's better, folks. If you're listening and you've not been to Canada, when you go, make sure you grab like a Kit Kat or your favorite chocolate bar. It's different. It tastes a lot better, and they have different kinds too that you can't get in the states too. Well, I was gonna say, Damon, do you have like a favorite Canadian chocolate bar? Because I do. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't discriminate against any chocolate bars. I got a sweet tooth, so um, I'm, if, if you put something sweet in front of me, I'm probably gonna be all over it. Um, but the the one thing that I do know that is tougher to find in the U.S. is uh, the chips, like all mm-hmm. dressed or all dressed. So are te- there, what what are all dressed chips? When when you look at the package, there's like all sorts of different. There's like onion on the package. There's like vinegar. Like they, it's almost like they put all the flavors in one and they call it all dressed. But um, 
some people think they're gross. Some people think they're great. I'm a fan of them. So that's one thing that I miss. Amanda, what's your favorite candy? Oh, see, it's a toss up between an arrow bar and a coffee crisp. I'm not a big coffee. I love to drink coffee, but not as a flavor. I think those are Canadian, right? I think they might be, but I would be, I'm all over the arrow bars. So are you an all dressed uh, fan? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, when I came back to Montreal, when the season was paused, I think the first thing I did was get Montreal bagels. Of course, the best bagel that exists. Hey, now you just started a fire. You just started a fire. (laughs) And then I got a bag of all dressed chips and then I felt like I was home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll give you the chips. I don't think I can. I just don't think I give you the bagels. The the New Jersey New York bagel is just it's different. It's it's better. We know that. That's okay. You have your Canadian pride, and 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 we'll allow you to allow you. I think to there's bagel. more Canadians on this call, Maddie. We win. Well, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Blaine Sayers from our content department's going to weigh in here anymore, and Pete Albeets, who uh, of course is uh, uh, in the media relations and hockey communications division and hockey ops my goodness he does so much he is with us as well so he'll he'll defend he's listening and he'll he'll defend when we get a chance i'm not much of a bagel guy maddie but snacks and chocolate definitely canada a hundred times over (laughs) that that voice belongs to uh, blaine sayers and uh, i don't know if pete will hop in but we will give him the opportunity (laughs) to be like he's saying no he's saying keep going let's move off of this i I can tell he's just he's just not comfortable you're just making him hungry that's it. That's it. So let's see. So we found out about uh, all, all, all dressed, they're called all dressed yep. and Canadian candy and all that sort of stuff. So a couple of more, uh, Damon, and then we'll go. I want to get back to hockey, though. You mentioned some of your mates. Did you cross over with Nick Merkley at Kelowna? Yes, that's actually one guy who I should have mentioned. Yeah, with uh, with us being teammates in New Jersey now. he's uh, He was a 16-year-old in his rookie season when I was in my final season with the, with the Rockets. So, um I think that was the year he he won the WHL Rookie of the Year as well. He he lit it up that year, and ever since then, I've been a big Nick Merkley fan. So I know when the trade happened and we we brought him on board, it was I was excited. And not only is he a great player, but amazing uh, amazing guy and, and a great family, another good Western Canadian guy. So um, I hope to have him with the, on the same team as me going forward. Because uh, yeah, we did play together for one full season. And he was definitely a guy I looked for on the ice all the time. I'm going to uh, use a question we used with him when he was on this pause cast and he talked about, uh, and it's the answer is uh, Mike McLeod. Apparently anyone who has driven with Mike McLeod doesn't do it a second time. It just, <laughs> it's just, he, he has, he's listed everywhere. as like the worst driver uh, on, on the team. So, uh, and you know, clearly he's played with the devils as well. So is there anyone like that? Like, a devil's player that you would be like, you know, mm, nah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'll, 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 I'll do an Uber. Thanks. Now I know you're going to drop me right. No, no. <laughs> uh, it depends on the day, but uh, if you get Jesper Bratt in a day where he thinks he's, he's driving an F1 formula one car, <laughs> then, uh, then, then he's a little bit of trouble. And I'm, I'm sitting in the, in the faster seat, like holding on for dear life with him sometimes. But um, I'd say he's, but he's, he's a good driver in saying that. He's, he's very in control, but uh, there's sometimes you're holding on and it's like, are you even going to slow down for this corner? But um, he, he, he feels like he's driving an F1 car sometimes and, and it's, it gets a little nerve wracking. So I guess I wouldn't classify him as the worst driver, but he's the most dangerous to be, to be in the passenger seat with. <laughs> he's the one that's got your heart pumping. 
Yeah, he gets your heart rate up for sure. Who drives like the grandma? Um, who does drive like the grandma? I try to think here. <laughs> no, ten and two or whatever it is. I don't yeah, know if actually, those are the right I, got, I got one. I got one more for the race car driver, Gusev. He, he's uh, <laughs> he's not afraid to he's not afraid to put the pedal down too. So, um, I don't know if he's got a Russian license or what he's got. He feels like he can get away from everybody, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he he's he can put it down too. As for the grandma, we don't have too many guys who drive like like too slow. It's most guys are like you see guys when you get home from road trips and it's like a, it's just a race to get on the highway to get home. So um it's kind of I guess all you guys could probably attest to that, but uh there's not many that drive uh, very slow on the team. The way you guys all shoot out of the parking lot one after the other. It's really a miracle that like you all know exactly where you're going. Yeah, just that system, I guess, uh, it works. So um, there might be some bumper cars every now and then, but yeah. Athletes are competitive and they're competitive even in getting out of the parking lot. Who, you know, who can make it first, who gets ahead of somebody else. So that's clearly it. Uh, so uh, as we start to wrap things up here, and we'll spend just a few more minutes with you, uh, how are you different as a player? I mean, you've got some stripes now and you know the league and, What's what's different about Damon Severson? I uh, I think um, the consistency was uh, was a thing that I wanted to improve, especially from when I first came into the league. I, I would have games where I would be lights out, where I was really good, and uh, you know I could feel confident out there, and I was like, okay, I got to continue this. But then I'd have games where I would almost take a step back and and just be not as not as either whether it was a mental thing or or just uh, or whatnot. It was it was something that I wanted to improve on is just being that consistent player and knowing what my team was going to get out of me every night. So I think I've improved at that. Um, and then I think I've improved on like just, just being confident in my own game and not trying to be something I'm not uh, every single night. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing when you come into the league as a young guy. And, and I mean, especially as a defenseman um, just to be perfect every night. And that was one of the things I really tried to do. And maybe I focused on that too much and, and uh, I think when I just am confident and not thinking too much and, and playing the game that I know I can be successful playing is um, much more suited for myself than, than overthinking things. So I think the, the consistency thing and, and the confidence is um, my two of my things that I want to work on and, and continue to get better at. And I think that's where I've grown as a player. And you're kind of on this blue line now where you know, – you're still young, but you're one of the older guys, one of the more veteran guys on that blue line with the Devils. Do you relish that role? Do you like having that role? Yeah, I, I want to be a go-to guy. I mean, uh, you know, again, like you said, we have a young blue line. Um, we have guys, obviously, when when we traded away uh, Greener at the, the deadline there, uh, we got a lot younger. Um, but uh, we definitely miss him. Um, but, yeah, no, I wanted to be one of those go-to guys. I want to be – a guy who can play in all situations, whether it's on the top power play or the top penalty kill and, and be thrown out in five on five and be the first guy out there in overtime and just, uh, just be a guy that's really relied on and counted upon to, to make things happen and, and uh, get the job done. So going forward, that's something I definitely want to um, pride myself on and um, be a, be a go-to guy that not only can be trusted by myself, but my teammates and, and the coaches to put me on the ice and succeed. What what was a step that you took? Like, what was a jump in in that direction, and why did it happen? I think it's a, a lot of it has to do with confidence. I think uh, I know for this year, especially um, the first half of the year, 
even like the first 30 games, say, I didn't have the best start to the season. Team didn't either, but that the team doesn't start well because the players don't start well. So, um, yeah, I, I just didn't feel like myself out there and, and started real slow um, in the point production aspect of things, just in the confidence side of things. I, I just wasn't myself every night. I'd have, again, I'd have good games and bad games. And then um, I just kind of, there was a switch that flipped uh, almost halfway through the year and I just started picking it up and realized that um, I got to play a certain way for my, not only myself to be successful, but to help the team. And, and understanding that, I think I just focused on that a lot more and, and didn't worry about any outside noise or anything else that was um, coming other than from inside the dressing room. So uh, I think I focused on that a little bit more. And I think on the second half of the season, I, I really stepped up and, and had a good ha good second half. But unfortunately, it just kind of got cut a little bit short. So we'll end it then, unless, Amanda, you have another question after this. Um, what's up? What's next? What's next for me as a player? Yeah, or, or just, nah, you know what? We'll, we'll get to the playing when we get to the playing. What's <laughs> like, what's next in the next couple of weeks? What are you up to? Uh, you know what? I'm actually uh, just, again, like we're looking at some stuff uh, around town here for doing a few little renovations around the house and trying to keep busy with that. Uh, staying in shape, doing some workouts. And then, um, like we talked about a bit earlier, uh, if the weather gets a little bit nicer, maybe get out on the water a little bit and just sit in the sun and, and try to try to enjoy it. Well, we appreciate having you on. And I mean, it's nice for you that, you know, we really, well, we appreciate that you took the time for us because we know that it's a, although while not a busy time, a very strange time. So it's always nice to see your face because we're doing this over a video conference. Um, and it sounds like you're keeping, you know, as busy as you can. And I think that that's the most important thing right now is to be able to, fill your time and keep your mind as fresh as possible and be as close to ready whenever, you know, we're all told to be back. Yeah, no, I hope to be back and seeing everybody face to face here soon. But uh, for the time being, I guess we just got to do our part and, and stick it out until we're told different. Well, Damon, thank you very much again for your time. As Amanda said, we appreciate sharing your thoughts with us and with our Devils fans and listeners to the official Devils pause cast, as we call it. Uh, continued success in raising your level each and every year. We look forward to what you bring to the ice when we do get back. And, hey, good luck in renovating that house. Yeah, thanks a lot. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully uh, everybody's staying well and hope to see you guys soon. And we look forward to being on the next charter plane together and you dropping off some snacks at our <laughs> seats. You know where Matt and I sit. So, you know, right. we're holding you to it. Snack yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to tell all the guys that my seat's going to be a hot spot now that everybody gets wind of this. Exactly. The snack king. He'll be bringing things in from the, ho hopefully, you know, like a nice candy and snack shop. But anyway, we'll be looking for it. Damon, thanks very much. No problem, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Damon Severson joining us on the official Devils podcast. Amanda, it was fun. It was a blast. We learned a lot. We sure did. It was great to see everybody. It is indeed. So thanks uh, to Damon Severson. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you very much for your company. For Amanda Stein, I'm Matt Lachlan. Stay safe, stay healthy, be well, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye, everybody.